Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, pick and roll! 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Are the old world picturesque shores of Europe calling you? Set sail on an adventure with Avalon Waterways. Enjoy an elevated cruising experience. Avalon Waterways offers smaller ships, bigger experiences with fewer people and more of, well, everything good about river cruising. Don't just dream about quaint towns and cobblestone villages. See them for yourself and make lasting memories. Discover limited time offers today at avalonwaterways.com. Hi, I'm Gabby Reese. Join me and my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton on our journey with Laird Superfood. From our kitchen to yours, we've crafted delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and so much more using high quality functional ingredients. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code Gabby2024 for 20% off your first order. This crowd rises to its feet. Picaro slammed it home. Garland left wing, three ball. Perfect. Garland part of the lane, locked. The Mobley pow. And Allen blocked the shot at the rim. Pow with the left hand and a foul. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast, part of the Cavs Media family. I'm your host, Justin Roan. Support for this podcast is brought to you by Fubo TV. Watch over 100 channels of live sports and TV for half the cost of cable. There's no contract and no commitment. Try for free at FuboTV.com. We've got a great episode for you guys today. And joining me is Michael, who's, who decided to upstage his own podcast just an hour before we record with the announcement that he is going to be a father for the second time. Congratulations, Carter. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, buddy. It's not news to me. So, you know, uh, <laughs> thank God. Thank God it's not news to me on the day I announced it. So, uh, you know, whole family's getting ready to go. Poor, poor wife's sick as a dog, but she's uh, she's fighting through. Uh, it's way harder when you already have a kid. I'll tell you that much. Tony, Tony, our guest can probably tell me about that. But my goodness, it is. <laughs> It's way harder now that she can't just like go to sleep when she doesn't feel good. <laughs> well, the Cavs aren't the only ones making additions. Apparently, you are too. So, congratulations. Love Thank you, buddy. You, sir. Uh, but I'm very excited to introduce our guest joining us from The Athletic and also a Knicks fan as well. So, we're covering all our bases here. Tony Jones, how you doing, man? I'm good. Thanks for having me. And uh, Carter, congratulations on uh, the new addition. Yeah, it's it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be wild times in the Rodriguez household. I'm gonna look like a, a ghost when I come on this podcast for a minute. <laughs> I'll, I'll try to pick up the slack where I need to, buddy. But make sure uh, you get your sleep now. That's all. That's all. Uh, that's all there is to it right now. That's that's. That, I'm gonna try to get get ahead of the game for when I'm way behind later. Good man. Good good thinking, Tony. I, I want to start off with a nice, easy, general question when it comes to Donovan Mitchell. How would you sum up what the Cavs fans should expect from Donovan Mitchell, both on and off the court? Um, well, on the court, he's you know he's a guy that can get you twenty five, five and five. Um, you know, twenty five points a night, uh, five rebounds, five assists a game. Um, can do it uh, on volume, three point shooting. Can do it uh, mid range. Uh, can do it getting to the basket with an assortment of finishes, uh, can play the, play the shooting guard, play the point guard spot. Um, and he's a guy who raises his level on the playoffs. He's a better playoff player 
than he is a regular season player. So uh, on the floor, um, you know, you're getting one of the most dynamic offensive uh, players that we have in our game today. And, you know, he just turned 26 years old. So, um, you know, I think he's about a year away from, you know, entering the start of his prime. Um, but, you know, he's he's a guy who, who's been around a long time. He's seen a lot of things uh, at a lot of levels of, of uh, NBA basketball, and, and uh, he's going to be a terrific addition for Cleveland. Uh, off the floor, um, he's a guy who's uh, very community-oriented, uh, very socially conscious. Um, you know, he's, he's a guy who cares uh, about what's going on in the world, cares about uh, what's going on in, in, in the African-American community. Uh, so, he, you know, he's, he's, he's a total package uh, on and off the floor. Yeah, I, I think he's going to be such a great addition to this community. I think he's going to be a great addition to the locker room. It's funny that you mentioned he's a year away from his prime when now he's almost like a veteran uh, on this team, right. given how young the rest of the core is. Were you as surprised as we were uh, that Donovan Mitchell ended up in Cleveland? Um, I think, well, the wow factor, you know, once the initial wow factor wore off, um, you know, it was one of those things where I wasn't surprised. Um, um, it was one of those things where I wasn't surprised as the initial wow factor uh, wore off because I knew that Cleveland was there. Um, you know, Cleveland initially made an offer um, about a week and a half before, you know, the whole R.J. Barrett extension thing went went off. And that initial offer um, did not have uh, Ochai Abaji in, in, in the offer. I knew the Jazz were going to go back to Cleveland. I knew they were going to ask for Abaji. Um, the wow factor for me came from like, there's no possible way the Knicks can screw this up, right? Like, they <laughs> are 100% the team that has enough assets to get this done. And, but then, you know, I mean, the Jazz, you know, and I reported this, and and I took a lot of, of grief for this reporting, um, but, you know, the Jazz continuously told me, they said, there are other teams that are making a run at Donovan, there are other teams that have offers, hard offers on the table uh, that we like. And, um, you know, we're going to, to, to get what we want out of this deal. And, um, you know, once, you know, the New York, uh, once the New York trade kind of broke down, um, you know, Kobe Altman walked in and, and gave the Jazz exactly what they wanted. And that's exactly what they wanted. You know, they, they wanted they they wanted uh, three unprotected first round picks. They wanted a couple of pick swaps. They wanted all of the unprotected picks uh, to be pushed out as far as possible. Uh, they wanted young guys and they wanted guys that they could develop. And they got all check, of that. Check, check, in, check, check. <laughs> right. They, they got all of that in the package um, from, from Cleveland. And it was more than what New York was offering. So from that perspective, I, I wasn't. I wasn't surprised, but man, it was once you saw it and, you know, you were just like, wow, like Cleveland actually came in and stole them. 
This feels like the 400th trade between the Jazz and the Cavs in the last like three years. I mean, like, you know, we're, you know, covering the team as closely as you do. Like, how often do you see those kind of relationship dynamics where it's like, okay, these two GMs or, you know, in this case, uh, president of operations and uh, the case of Kobe Altman have a good relationship and they like working together. How much do you think that stuff kind of like factors into the end result? Yeah, it, 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 it matters. It means something, Um, you know. The, the Jazz and the Knicks, you know, it got contentious at the end. And, got you know, contentious it got, at the beginning. It got contentious. <laughs> okay, it was contentious all the way through. So, <laughs> I mean, you you have to, to wonder, you know, going forward, you know, how much business, you know, are both of those teams going to be comfortable with doing it with, with each other? And, you know, and, you know, the fact is that um, Cleveland and, and Utah have been – comfortable with doing business with each other. Kobe Altman and, and Justin Zanuck have been comfortable um, with each other. And and I think that, and, you know, and I think that this deal, you know, the, the, the difference between Cleveland and Utah from Cleveland and New York was that Cleveland, I mean, from Utah and New York was that Utah and New York were trying to beat each other. And the difference between New York, I mean, Cleveland and Utah, and I don't want to say beat each other, but I think, you know, it was kind of like, okay, who's winning this trade? Who has leveraged this? Who has leveraged that? So, I, I, you know, I don't think beating each other is the the right adjective to use uh, or the right verb to use. But I mean, it was it was it felt more like a competition. Mm. And Cleveland and Utah with this Donovan Mitchell trade, you know, it felt more like what trades are supposed to be, which is both teams win, right? Like Cleveland gets Donovan. Um, they give up a hefty price, but let's be real about some things. You know, they didn't want Colin Sexton for the long haul. And Laurie Marketing, as, as well as Laurie played, you know, he was still playing, you know, square square peg, round hole. He was playing small forward, you know, to to make, you know, to to um to make room for for Evan Mobley and and, and Jared Allen. So, you know, just from a fit perspective, you know. It, it was okay for Cleveland to let that piece go. And that piece, you know, projects to be a, a major piece for Utah going forward. So, you know, I think both teams, you know, Cleveland and Utah won in this trade where, you know, it just seemed with, you know, New York and Utah that one team was destined to win the trade and one team was destined to lose the trade, no matter which teams they were. I, I find that to be so interesting, and it was something that we heard after the Jared Allen trade. We heard that after the uh, Drew Holiday trade where the Cavs got in as a third team, that teams kind of like when they know that they can call up a general manager, whether it's to work as a third team or to have like good faith trade negotiations, and there's not going to be a last-minute curveball. It's not going to be, okay, we've got this deal lined up, we need Cleveland to be the third team, and now Colby Altman's asking for another first-round pick. Right. It's it's so interesting because especially in today's kind of sports discourse, it feels like so much is winners and losers rather than reality, which is a lot of teams are at different points of their kind of uh, growth and trajectory. And sometimes you can find these situations where it benefits both sides. And I I agree with you. Like, I, I think the Cavs obviously gave up a big haul. And I from a player perspective, I think I kind of like the guys that Utah got. Uh, from Cleveland a lot more than uh, the potential rumored names uh, from New York. Although I'm obviously Blast going to be high Canadian on here. Obviously, I'm going to be high on those guys, given the the fact that I, I was already so emotionally invested in them. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, go ahead, ahead, Carter. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I was going to say is like, I do think like this wasn't a situation where it felt like the Jazz had to settle because their preferred outcome didn't happen. Like they got, you know, maybe RJ Barrett is the, you know, the biggest name of the, you know, the, the players that are thrown in, but it does feel like just in terms of volume, like Colin Sexton is a legit player who's performed in the league, Larry Markinen, a, a legitimate young prospect. And then they got the 14th overall pick. So it's not like they came away with nothing in on-court value. It's not like this was just about the picks for them, it feels. Well, and that's the thing, you know, the Jazz at the the, the beginning in through the middle of, you know, the negotiations with New York, they wanted R.J. Barrett, they wanted Quentin Grimes, they wanted Obi Toppin. Um, they were going to accept uh, a trade package that only had R.J. Barrett, you know, which which is more confounding that New York didn't get it done for me because New York would have been able to get it done without surrendering uh, Quentin Grimes and Obi Toppin, you know, two of the three guys that they were really trying to keep out of the trade, you know, for, for most of the time. If, if this trade had been R.J. Barrett and one of Quentin Grimes and Obi Toppin, then you probably go with, you know, the Knicks package in terms of, of players, you know, just because of the fact that, that R.J. Barrett right now is the one that's probably on an all-star trajectory. Um, but, you know, R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel quickly, you know, versus Colin Sexton and Laurie Marketing, I'm taking Carl, Colin Sexton and Laurie Marketing because even though of the four players, R.J. Barrett is the best player right now. Um, Laurie Marketing and Colin Sexton are two guys who have proven to be um, who have proven to be high level starters in the NBA. So, you know, going forward, I mean, you know, Colin Sexton, you know, is 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 somebody that, you know, Utah sees as a fit for them. Uh, he's, you know, young, he's explosive. Obviously, he had a knee injury last year, um, but they think that he's completely healthy. Uh, they extended him upon uh, trading for him. Um, and, you know, you know, Colin Sexton is as well as I do. He's a competitive kid that always plays with a chip on his shoulder. He's going to play like he's got something to prove. Uh, and he plays really hard. Um, you know, and Lloyd Marketing is, is starting to come into his own in the league. I thought he had a rough start uh, to his career, but I think that he's settling into what he is. Um, you know, he's, he's you know, figured some things out. Uh, he's uh, a terrific shooter on volume. Uh, he's a guy um, um, that, you know, I think uh, is, is, is headed for a little bit of a breakout. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see you know, how they fit in with the Jazz, uh, how they fit in with a new coach and Will Hardy, a new system, um, you know, a brand new, almost a brand new roster, um, you know, and it'll be interesting to see if if the Jazz do something uh, with some of the remaining veterans uh, that are still uh, on the roster. Yeah, yeah. They, they're going to have a ton of optionality, but they, I think they've got quite a few pieces to play with and move around on the chessboard. I want to talk about, um, something a little in- intangible, and that's vibes. Cavs were an awesome vibes team last year. You know, Evan and Jared are two soft-spoken, you know, kind of nice guys by all uh, accounts. Uh, Darius is, you know, kind of grew as the vocal leader of this team, and you know, kind of everyone kind of seemed to rally around him uh, in that locker room. And it was a happy locker room. It was a happy team, uh, pretty much all the way through the year. And 
that wasn't the case for for Utah by all reports. They, you know, it seemed like that team had kind of uh, maybe run its course. And I, I know I've just been talking to friends, you know, family members who, you know, maybe follow the team a little more casually. I think some of them are a little worried, like, you know, when when the leader of a team like Donovan was was on a kind of an unhappy team by the end, they're a little worried. Like, do you think that he's going to be able to come in and just, you know, do you think he'll be able to fit in in that in that group? Because by all accounts, he seems like he's well liked around the league. It, do you think it was more that situation to just run its course? Uh, if I were a Cleveland fan, I wouldn't have a worry about this at all. Um, Donovan is flat out one of the most popular guys in the league among his peers. Um, you know, he's very good friends with Darius Garland. He's very good friends, uh, with Kevin Love, um, him and Kevin Love, uh, specifically both work out, uh, with the same trainer, uh, Chris Berkeley, uh, out in New York. Um, he's very, very good friends with Ricky Rubio. He's very good friends with Howell Netto. Um, both of those guys play together, uh, with the Jazz. Uh, I, I don't see that as an issue at all. I don't think that uh, he'll have any problems um, fitting in. Um, the Jazz were a horrible vibes team last year. It was <laughs> it, it's it was way. it was flat out the the worst locker room in terms of vibes that I have covered in in my time as an NBA writer. And you know, and and I don't think it was you know that these guys didn't like each other. You know, collectively, I think they did like each other. I think they were, you know, okay with each other. But collectively, I think they got a little tired of each other. Uh, and I think collectively, you know, I think that there was a sense that they knew that, you know, this was over. And, you know, they knew that if they didn't make a, a deep run, that there were going to be, you know, major changes uh, that 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 came along. And, um you know, so it wasn't like, you know, guys were fighting each other per se. It was just, you know, more like, you know, the 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 dregs of the situation. It kind of, you know, weighed down uh, the locker room a little bit. And, you know, the locker room lost George Niang and Joe, and Joe Ingles, um, you know, during during, you know, one in free agency, one in, during the year um, that really you know, that really hurt them um, as well. So, you know, it was just, you know, when you know something is done, it's, it's kind of like you're a married couple, you're in your 27th year of marriage and, you, uh, you know, the kids are, are are out of high school, they're off to college, you know, you've done your job with the kids and, you know, it's just kind of like you're headed towards uh, divorce. Not saying that either any one of us are in that situation. It's just an analogy. So <laughs> I, I saw the way you were looking at me there. I didn't like it at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so I mean, it, it, you know, it's, it was just one of those things where you know it was over, and I think that you know everybody knew that it was over, and and you know it just it was just kind of an apathetic feel uh, around the entire franchise. Um, from about January on last year. Yeah, it, it seemed like the writing was on the wall, and obviously that was true, right? Like the, the rebuild switch was flipped. Uh, it, it was stagnant, I, I guess, like bringing in Rudy Gay to kind of uh, change the tides isn't necessarily moving the needle. Uh, you talked about two of the, the vets that the Cavs have in Ricky Rubio and uh, Howell Neto. 
I'm really excited about the presence of both of those guys, and even more so now that Mitchell's there. Uh, but the Cavs also have a familiar face that, that Mitchell's had experience with, in Antonio Lang. I was wondering if you could shed some kind of insight to what Mitchell's relationship has been with the coaching staff, since uh, you've already kind of addressed how he's viewed by his peers. Um, you know, he's he was really close to, to Quinn Snyder. Um, you know, he was really, obviously, he was really close to Johnny Bryant. Um, he was very close to Irv Roland uh, last year uh, in, in, in Utah. Um, you know, and, and, you know, Tony is a couple of years removed uh, from, from the coaching staff, but, you know, he's, he was also uh, close to Donovan as well. And, and he and Donovan have a um, real familiarity with each other. Uh, he wasn't Donovan's, um, you know, specific guy uh, for specific development coach. Tony dealt with a lot of the bigs um, when he was with Utah, but, um, you know, obviously they have a, a, a deep familiarity with each other and they, and they know each other. And, you know, and, and I, I can tell you, Tony is is one of the best guys that, that I've worked with, um, you know, in, you know, I, I wish he come back to Utah because we, you know, the, the we had a lot of of BS sessions you know, <laughs> during media meals, you know, before games. And, you know, we uh, and me and Tony used to always um, argue about LeBron James and Kevin Durant. So, um, <laughs> you know, it, that was that was something uh, that that I miss about him. And, and you know, it's good to see uh, that he's doing so well in Cleveland. Well, I, I prefer when the flow of like players and personnel goes from Utah to Cleveland. So no, no recruiting, <laughs> no, no tampering, no nothing like that. Uh, putting aside your feelings uh, as a Knicks fan, obviously, I, I'm sure you would have liked to see Mitchell in New York. How do you feel the on-court situation uh, in Cleveland for Mitchell compares to some of the other rumored teams like New York, uh, Chicago, uh, Charlotte, Toronto? There, there's a bunch of teams that were kind of in that mix or mentioned in that mix. How do you feel the Cleveland on-court situation compares? Well, you know, in terms of a pure basketball situation, Cleveland's by far the best situation that that Donovan could have been dealt to, um, because you know, in my opinion, he's going to have a chance to win a championship, um, you know, at some point during his tenure with Cleveland. I mean, you know, the Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland. I mean, it's people talk about. Oh well, you know the size of the backcourt, the size of the backcourt, yada, yada, yada. I don't see how it's going to be hard to guard those guys. It just is because both of those guys are so dynamic uh, with and without the basketball. They can both play with and without the ball. Um, they're both magicians with the ball. It's, it's, you know, and they're both in their prime. Um, it's just going to be really difficult to deal with them. And Evan Mobley is the kind of, inside outside switchable guy that um donovan mitchell has never played with um you know obviously he played with you know in my opinion the best defender in the league in, in rudy gobert uh and you know and obviously you know rudy's rim protection is is generational but you have the same type of rim protection out of two guys instead of one um you know in in utah donovan had to play with a lot of lineups that did not have Rudy Gobert in that lineup because they were staggering those two guys so much. They're going to be able to keep either Evan Mobley or Jared Allen on the floor at all times 
uh, with Mitchell and Garland. So you look at what Cleveland's going to be able to do throughout 48 minutes. They're, they're, they're going to have lineups. They're either going to have a lineup with, you know, Mitchell and Mobley on the floor or Garland and Jared Allen. And when you build for 48 minutes around those two lineups, you're just going to win a ton of games because, you know, they're going to be able to crush second units um, with, with those kind of lineups. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, for now, I mean, I think that Cleveland's a top six team, but as some of these teams that are going to be above them start to age out and these guys start to come into their own, um, I, I think Cleveland is going to have a chance at some point in the next few years to not only win the Eastern Conference, uh, but win, win it all as well. Yeah, they, they the potential that JB has to play with here from a rotation standpoint is, you know, it's pretty unlimited. You're right that he can stagger them and, you know, have a dynamic ball handler on the floor at all times. And I know this year is one of the one of the years where the lineups where Donovan was this kind of the sole ball handler were really, really successful offensively. So it's not like it's a guy where he is a guy who needs to play next to a pure point anymore. And that kind of leads me to my question, which is, as Conley's gotten older, Mitchell's taken on more and more usage, more and more ball handling. How do you kind of see him sliding back into an off-ball role? Because, there, I mean, there are a few point guards purer than than a guy like Darius Garland in terms of his ability to to table set for others, get get the team into the offense. Yeah, I don't think Mitchell needs the ball per se to score. Um, he, you know, he, you know, I, I me and Kelsey Russo uh, kind of touched on this in a story that we wrote for the Athletic today. But you know, Mitchell is an elite catch and shoot guy, and you know, when you can score um, at volume, you know, just off catching and shooting, uh, or just off you know back cuts moving without the ball. You know, he he's capable of scoring without having a basketball in his hands. So, um, you know, I don't think it's that much of a problem because, to be honest, I think JB is probably going to stagger him and Donovan uh, a fair amount, you know, just to have just for, um, you know, the sake of having one of those guys on the floor at all time at, at all times. So, you know, both of those guys are going to have, um, you know, at least, you know, 15 minutes a night where you know, the floor is theirs and they can just go ahead and just do their thing, you know, as a sole ball handler of the unit. The, the challenge I see for Donovan and Garland is, you know, you can't let Evan Mobley and Jared, Jared, Jared Allen go dry and you can't let Kevin, Kevin Love go dry, you know. So those guys, you know, the, the challenge is, all right, you know, those guys are going to get their 22 to 25 a night. But, you know, Evan Mobley's got to get his 18 a night. Jared Allen's got to get his 14 or 15 tonight. You know, Karis LeVert. Now, Karis LeVert does need the basketball. <laughs> I, was about to say, I was about to say, uh, it, uh, Karis LeVert has, is going to put his hand up about those yeah, 15 minutes where yeah, they get to run the show. <laughs> yes, Karis absolutely needs the basketball uh, to score. So, you know, um, he's going to have to get his touches. You know, you, you know uh, Ricky needs the basketball to be able to run a team um to to for him to to be at max efficiency you know so i mean that's the more the challenge i don't think that that donovan and darius garland are going to have any issues fitting in with each other 
Um, but those guys, their, their main challenge is to make sure everybody else gets what they need uh, out of the possessions that they get. So if you're JB, you probably need about 10 more possessions a game than you did last year. And, you know, so you probably, so that's probably his challenge a little bit uh, to go a little bit faster, um, to, to, to create and manufacture more possessions. Um, but, you know, I'll tell you what, it's a good problem to have. Absolutely. I mean, when the Cavs were at their best last year, they had Mobley and Allen where they're playing like 16 minutes together, 16 minutes apart so that you have 48 minutes with one of them on the court. And I can see the same thing happening with the guards with Garland and Mitchell, because if you have one of Allen and Mobley and one of uh, Garland and Mitchell on the court at all times, that's going to help kind of prevent that drop off that you've had and you look at even the lebron teams of the past or playing the atlanta hawks in, in the past it was always okay if you can kind of uh keep it even in the minutes that trey young's out there or lebron's out there you can win those minutes where they're not and this gives the Cavs the the potential to be a lot more dangerous uh the option for Mitchell to play a little more off ball, whether it's with Garland as a ball handler, Ricky, or I guess Levert as well, as we mentioned, he does like to have the ball in his hands. Do you think that there's potential for him to have an increase in efficiency now that he isn't being asked to do as much? Like no, no disrespect to Mike Conley, but obviously he's at a different stage of his career and not, not really as dynamic as Darius Garland is. Do you think Mitchell can improve on the efficiency? Because looking over the last couple of years, it's kind of been around league average the the last two seasons and a lot of the tracking data kind of shows that there was a pretty high degree of difficulty with the shots that he was taking yeah and and i'll i'll even one up on you on that so you know i think the the efficiency can go up but you know the what needs to go up with the decreased usage for donovan the defense needs to get better because you know, for me, covering the Jazz, watching them night to night, you know, by last year, by the end of last year, um, you know, because Mike, you know, wasn't a different, Mike's probably a third ball handler, not right now, more than a, more so than a secondary ball handler. So it was, if, if Donovan, by the end of last season, if Donovan wasn't creating it, the offense wasn't being created. And that's a that's just a really big burden to have and to go back on the other end and defend at a high level uh, for 48 minutes as well. So, you know, if the usage, let's say that I don't know what Donovan's usage was off the top of my head, but if it decreases, if it decreases by five percent, that five percent needs to go into, OK, I'm going to commit myself to being a better defender because mm -hmm. I have five percent de decrease usage and now i have that extra energy for those 10 possessions to be uh, a better defender um because i think donovan's going to get some easy you know easy buckets i think that he's going to get you know six to eight points a game where he doesn't have to do anything for him where it's just backup layups or whether it's just running out you know catching the alley-oop for a dunk whether it's a catch catch and shoot uh, from three or, you know, whether it's anything, um, you know, I think he's going to get eight points a game, you know, that easy where those eight points a game last year weren't coming. And so now all of a sudden you only have to create 17 points a game instead of creating 25 points a game. 
And, you know, so he's got to take that and he's got to uh, take the energy that he's going to get from that. And he's got to put it into being uh, a better defender because he was a bad defender last year in the playoffs. Uh, he's been a so-so defender or an average defender uh, pretty much during his time with the Jazz. But a lot of that is because so much was um, uh, so much uh, was 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 on his back. So, you know, now you got Darius Garland that can go out and get you 22 and 10. Now you got Evan Mobley who you can dump it into and he can create your points. Now, you know, Jared Allen can go and create your points. Uh, now you can, you know, use a couple of possessions and, and dump it in uh, to Kevin Love. Now you have Jared Levert, uh, you know, the, the archetype of player that Donovan has played with because he played with Jordan Clarkson. So, um, you know, now you have all of these other guys that can do so much with the basketball on his hand in their in their respective hands, you know, Donovan's still going to get, you know, um, the level of offense that, that he's had. He's too good not to, um, but it's going to be different energy now. And so now his challenge is he's absolutely got to become a better defender if um, Cleveland is going to get to where, uh, where they want to go. I, I wanted to ask this about a guy like Donovan Mitchell because, like that, this is what happens every time a high usage guy who, with a bad defensive reputation goes to a team where he's got more help. Is everyone just assumes that they're going to start trying more on defense uh, because you know they can reapportion the effort? But sometimes that's a you know, that's a hard faucet to turn back on. You know, like deep, playing defense is really hard. Kind of sucks sometimes. It's not always glamorous. Do you think he's the kind of guy who like? I mean, he was getting roasted on Twitter during the, during this year's playoffs for his effort on the defensive end. Do you think he's the kind of guy who is going to kind of take that challenge? Cause I do like, I think I said this in the immediate aftermath of him getting traded is like, yes, he should, you know, be reapportioning that effort, but will he in your mind? Well, Donovan is one of the most self-aware athletes that I've covered. Um, he's a guy who's not afraid to admit his faults. Um, you know, I, you know, I'll tell you, you know, he wasn't in, 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 in great shape last year. Um, and he knew that and he's, you know, you can go to his IG and, you know, he's doing, you know, track and field workouts. Um, you know, he's, he's dropped weight. Um, you know, he's, he's doing stuff that that's aimed at being a uh, better condition. Um, you know, he, you know, if a game, you know, if there's a the Jazz lost a game where he felt that it was, it was his fault or there was something that he couldn't do, didn't do, uh, he's the first person to say, "I've got to be better at this" or "I've got to be better at that." Um, you know, so he's he's very self-aware and he knows, uh, you know, he wasn't good enough last year, and I think that he knows he wasn't good enough last year. It's one of the reasons why he didn't publicly ask for a trade because he knew that he wasn't a good enough basketball player uh, last season to where he had done everything that he could in Utah. So, you know, while he was like, okay, if you trade me, you know, I'm not going to shed a tear. If I'm there, I'm not going to shed a tear. It's fine. I'm pretty neutral about it. Um, I think if Donovan had maxed out uh, last year at Utah, I think that his, his, his stance might've been a little bit different. That's really interesting. And, I, I'm I'm encouraged by that. Like that that sounds really really like the the type of personality that can fit in well with this Cavs team. And 
I, I mean, I'm curious to see, like, having that additional support around them, it, that's going to make a big, big difference. And hopefully the reduced load on offense is going to help. And we at this podcast know the value of good support because support for this podcast and the following message comes from Zoom. Half a million businesses connect using Zoom, a single platform for phone, chat, workspaces, events, apps, and video. Zoom enables real-time collaboration for teams around the globe. Zoom, how the world connects. Well done, boss. Well thank done. Thank you very much. Good thank you. Way. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Tony, is, is there an aspect of Donovan Mitchell's game? Like, uh, I wasn't aware of like the the situation where he wasn't in the best shape last year. I mean, um, I, I don't get to watch as many Jazz regular season games or, or follow the beat uh, that closely. Is there something other than that that you feel like has kind of been either? Uh, that I guess the general public doesn't really know about Donovan Mitchell that you, you think Cavs fans should know? Um, you know, it's, you know, I think that, you know, he's a, a real family oriented guy. Um, you know, I, I think, I think the, the thing that strikes me is that, you know, kind of everybody in the league looks at Donovan is like, yeah, that's my guy. And, you know, I mean, he's he truly is one of the most popular guys in the league among his peers, um, you know, because he's a, you know, he's a pretty genuine and affable uh, human being. Uh, you know, he's a guy that, um, you know, isn't afraid to reach out and mentor uh, younger guys, um, you know, and, and, you know, so it was one of those things was like, well, you know, what's it going to be like for him coming to you know, a new locker room and yeah, it's a new locker room, but you know, he knows all of the faces in the locker room and he's, he's been around those guys a lot. So, you know, I think, you know, just basically the fact that he's going to be able to, from a chemistry standpoint, hit the ground running uh, with this roster. Um, I think, I think that that's, you know, something that should be notable and kept in mind. Man. Yeah. You're, you're getting me hyped. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's interesting too because I do feel like the conversation this summer was really slanted in a way that was like Donovan Mitchell's asking for a trade. He wants to go to New York, like he 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 wants to the bright lights of MSG. And you saying that like he wasn't really like demanding a trade or publicly requesting one. It do you think it was about getting to Madison Square Garden and getting to that big market, or was it just? Hey, the situation has kind of run its course, and if there's a trade available to to get me to a better situation, I'm open to it. Well, he was going to play basketball wherever he was. Um, you know, obviously New York is one of his preferred destinations. If he if the Jazz did decide to trade him, um, you know, along with Brooklyn and Miami, um, but you know, he's fine with the basketball situation that he's in because, like I said, it's it's a better basketball situation. Then New York, he wasn't going to Brooklyn. That was never happening. He was <laughs> never going to Miami. That was never happening. So for, you know, the stuff that could have happened, um, this is, you know, by far the best basketball situation. Um, and, you know, Donovan's a guy that wants to win a championship. Uh, he's a, a guy that wants to win at the highest level. Uh, it hurts for him to lose. He hates to lose, um, you know, and, 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 and losses eat at him. So, you know, just from a pure, purely basketball um, perspective, I mean, this is, you know, by far the best thing that could have happened to him. 
I'm interested to hear about Donovan's growth as a playmaker because, you know, I think there is, you know, from if there are trade skeptics out here uh, on the Cleveland side of things, I think there is some degree of like, well, he's just like five to 10% better than Colin. So why wouldn't we just keep Colin? I think that's kind of the, that's kind of the retort from, from that crowd. And I think, you know, the, Donovan's playmaking, like it feels like it at the beginning, it really wasn't a super strength, but it's something he's gotten a lot better at. Like, where do you feel like he is as, as that lead ball handler? And uh, you know, how do you think his vision and feel on that side have developed over the years? I mean, he's better than he was when he first came into the league. Um, You know, I still think he's got a ways to go uh, in terms of being a playmaker. Um, But it's more of, cause he's a good passer. Um, but it's more of, you know, like, okay, you know, you watch Ricky Rubio and Ricky just knows how to run a team. Like he knows where everybody should be at whatever time. He knows who's hot. He knows if this guy scored eight points in the last two minutes, well, you know, why you know, let's run a play for this guy. You know, Donovan doesn't have that feel because he never grew up having to play that way. So, you know, that's, that's something that's, you know, missing from, from him as a playmaker and probably always will be, but, you know, now he's playing next to Darius Garland and Ricky Rubio. So he doesn't have to worry about that anymore. Um, You know, if Donovan goes to the basket and he sees a teammate cutting, you know, he's a guy that can hit that teammate. He, you know, he's, you know, become a much better diagonal passer um, than when he was first in the league. Uh, He's learning to read, you know, he makes really good pick and roll reads, um, you know, but the difference is, um, you know, he's going to have less attention on him in Cleveland than he did in Utah um, because, you know, he wasn't playing with Darius Garland in Utah and he wasn't playing with Evan Mobley in Utah, um, you know, so he's got better pieces around him. Uh, so, it's, it, you know, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be different um, for him in terms of, uh, the, the attention that, that he's receiving. So, you know, he's, I would characterize him as a, a good playmaker, uh, not a great playmaker. Uh, I think that he could credibly play 48 minutes a night at point guard uh, in the NBA. Um, but it's more of, you know, scoring, you know, scoring type point guard uh, than it is, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and, and dominate the game, you know, being Jason Kidd type point guard. It, it's good to hear that because even though we got Rubio, we got Neto, we got Lavert that, that can initiate some offense and obviously Garland, it seems like the Cavs have been cursed when it comes to the backup point guard spot, whether it's like Exum and Deli going down, whether it's Ricky and then uh, even Rondo after they acquired him, it went down. So the more playmakers, the better. This question's a little tongue-in-cheek because I, I know a lot was made of kind of the absence of assists from Donovan to Rudy. Do you think that they're like the the pick and roll, not throwing lobs, that sort of thing? Do you think that was specifically uh, about just kind of chemistry within that pairing? Because obviously the Cavs probably are going to run a, a fair amount of that with Evan Mobley and Jared Allen, and, and those guys are are both very good lob threats. The funny thing about Donovan is that he's horrible at throwing lobs. So, <laughs> so that's just a, that's just a, a thing, eh? And he and he always has been. Like it's something that he's actually practiced at. Like he actually practiced, you know, in off seasons, you know, how to throw lobs. And 
you know, it was something that, you know, when he was a rookie, you know, uh, he, the, his teammates ribbed him for it because when he would throw lobs, like he'd throw them into the fourth row or whatever. Um, you know, and the, the, the thing with Donovan is when, you know, he gets to a point of a game where it's like, all right, you know, um, we need buckets. He's going to, he's going to shoot the basketball. And, you know, and if he feels, you know, historically, if you, if he passes to a teammate three times and that teammate fumbles the ball or bounds, you know, two or three times, then he might not throw it the fourth time. Um, but, um, you know, in terms of, of Mobley's a little different because there's, there's more of a pick and pop presence um, for him. Now, you know, when you look at Jared Allen, obviously that's the vertical lob threat that he's, you know, he's got to get the ball, you know, uh, vertically. Um, so you might, if you're JB, you might want to have Garland on the floor with him at all times. Um, and, you know, the, when Joe Ingles was in his prime, um, Quinn Snyder would have Joe Ingles on the floor with Rudy Gobert at all times because Joe Ingles was by far the best player uh, on the roster at getting Rudy Gobert the basketball. Um, so, you know, it'll be interesting to see how Donovan um, adjusts to, to those guys. Um, but yeah, that is, is definitely something to keep an eye on. But the nice thing, at least in my opinion, is Jarrett and Evan both are really, really high touch finishers, even when they're not dunking the ball. So, you know, yeah. like he, as long as he's giving them solid interior passes, even if he's not hitting the perfect lob, I think his margin for error is a little bit better with those two uh, around the basket. But yeah, it is interesting to hear. And it's actually good to know that he is just straight up not a good lob passer because at least he can catch them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) At least he can catch them. And actually I did want to ask about this. You, you accidentally set me up. Great. So uh, Tony, a lot of players that, you know, go get on sports center for, you know, highlight dunks don't tend to be like actually above the rim finishers. They just happen to get a runway every now and again and can kind of go nuts. It feels like Mitchell is a guy who really uses his explosiveness when attacking the basket on a like night to night basis. And that's something I think the Cavs have needed for some time. Can you talk about him a little bit as a, as a rim attacker? Yeah. I mean, you know, you get him on a fast break, you can, um, he'll finish above the rim for you there. Um, you know, he's a guy that can finish in traffic. Um, he's much more of a two foot jumper than he is a one foot jumper. Um, but, you know, I think the the thing that makes him unique is that he's also a tremendous under the rim finisher. So, you know, he's an I would characterize him as an under the rim finisher who can finish, who can finish above the rim. Um, you know, because you see when he gets into the lane, uh, you know, he, he's got a six ten wingspan. He's got a, a ton of ways uh, to get shots off. Um, you know, he's got great footwork. Uh, he's got explosion. You know, he's really unique because, you know, you s- usually see guys that are either cerebral or you see guys that are really athletic. And he's both. Like, he has, you know, a tremendous first step. But, you know, if you cut that first step off, he's got, you know, a dozen uh, counters. 
and he can finish with both hands. Uh, he can finish above or below the rim. He's, you know, got a really good floater. Uh, he's got a pull-up game. I mean, he's really got a whole package offensively, um, you know, and then, you know, he caps that off by being uh, a really, really good three-point shooter as well. So, you know, there's just a number of things uh, that he can do offensively. I'm I'm so excited for this fit. The the season couldn't get here uh, soon enough. I saw it's 45 days until the regular season for the Cavs, which is very fitting for this Donovan Mitchell episode. I want to be respectful of your time, Tony. Uh, but before we get you out of here, I just want to ask: with the three players coming from Cleveland to Utah, I know uh, myself and, and a lot of other Cavs fans are going to be investing in those guys and rooting for them uh, to do well. Do you think that they kind of have a, a future in Utah, or do you think the uh, the front office is still going to be kind of evaluating of a lot of options and, and looking to maybe collect more assets. No, they really like Colin. They really like Lori marketing. They love Abaji. Um, we we do know. too. I'm, I'm, I'm heartbroken that they, yeah, they we were to put I him in. We were most sad about him. Yeah. They, they wanted Abaji. you know, I mean, he was at the very top of their draft board. I know they didn't have any picks, but, he was at the very top of their draft board. I mean, they they absolutely love Abaji. And it was, you know, I asked a member of the front office uh, the other day. I said, man, you got a million guards. You know, how are you going to get, you know, Ultra on the floor? And he was like, yeah, trust me, we'll get him on the floor. And <laughs> um, I'm, I'm in the middle of a, a dynasty fantasy basketball draft right now. So, you <laughs> yeah, know, that, that's good for good for me to I, know. I would I would fade him for now. Because you don't oh, know he, who's he's going, going on, on the taxi the squad. Don't you worry. He's going on yeah. the taxi squad. Dude, I'm, yeah. I got a little but third pick. Ha- third listen, pick. listen <laughs> if, the season, if the season goes the way we think it's going to go by February, trust me, he's going to be on the floor. Right. So, um, I mean, they they really love him. They love his – they think that he's got r- real ability um, to, to contribute right away. Um, you know, I thought he was one of the best players in college basketball last year. You know, guys six six, six seven, with that kind of body, that kind of athleticism. You know, forty percent three point shooter potentially um, on volume. You know, the question for me with Abaji is: Is he going to develop his handle enough uh, to to be able to score off the dribble? And if he does, then you might be looking at a potential star. Yeah. But if you even if he doesn't, you're looking at a really really solid ten year three and D guy. Um, so, you know. I mean, the, the Jazz really like all three of those guys, um, you know, but um, it'll be interesting to see what happens going towards the future. But for now, I mean, I think that you got to um, 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 you got to think that, you know, they're a part of their timeline and and what they want to do going forward. Well, I'm I'm happy to hear that, and, and I know from Colin's perspective, he he's going to enjoy having the uh, floor spacing of Larry Markin and Ochai Abaji out there. So uh, I'm I'm rooting for this to work out. I I want this to be a win-win trade. I I want teams to continue to feel good about doing business with the Cavs uh, that they can find these uh, these avenues. Uh, Tony, before we get you out of here, is there anything uh, that you got coming up, either feature articles or anything that you're working on that you'd like people to know about? I'm going to be on vacation doing absolutely nothing for the next two weeks. Hell nice. yeah. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I won't ask you where. Uh, maybe we can do that off the air. But uh, with with the amount of uh, people upset at you online and, and Knicks fans out there <laughs> upset at one of their own, I, I won't try to dox you in that way. Uh, I mean, you know, it'd be your own people sometimes, right? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> absolutely. Tony, thank you so much. Really, really appreciate your time. Uh, this was absolutely fantastic. I, I feel like I learned a lot. I hope our listeners did as well. Uh, big thanks to everyone tuning in live on YouTube. If you want to support us, you can like, subscribe, click the notification bell so you know when we're going live. If you're listening via podcast, you can support us by leaving a rating, leave a review, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, and help cook those books. If you want to be part of the Chase Down's exclusive Discord chat, you can send a screenshot of that review to chasedownpod at gmail.com. However you choose to support us, we really do appreciate it. Make sure you guys are staying safe out there. Until next time, go cats. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is gonna be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your life sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. You deserve to treat yourself. So turn your tax refund into a U-fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 4-14-24 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk extended silver unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the silver unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount.